We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nikhami, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of my very own beauty brand, Carmela Cosmetics, and business consultant. This is We Are Women, Beauty Redefined, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast features different women whose names you probably recognize. You've seen them, been following them, and might even think that they've always had it together. Listen in to hear the women you know and love share their journeys with self-acceptance and self-love, discovering their unique beauty and confidence in a society that for so long has focused on exemplifying a specific beauty standard. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night and we are women. Beauty redefined. If you've been part of our community for a while, you know that I am a huge fan of self-care, feeling and looking our best from the inside out. I am so excited to share with you part of my own wellness journey with a wonderful studio that truly focuses on you becoming your healthiest self inside and out. This podcast episode is sponsored by Olivia Wellness, a wellness studio that I've been going to for close to a year now and I'm a huge fan of. We all want to feel and look our best from the inside out. That means glowing skin, a healthy immune system, increased energy, and less bloating and inflammation. Olivia Wellness is a wellness studio located in Herald Square in Hoboken, New Jersey, dedicated to detoxification and self-care with services in colon hydrotherapy and lymphatic drainage. Colon hydrotherapy is used to eliminate toxins, leading to a healthier body and reduced inflammation from the inside out. Paired with Olivio's signature 60-minute lymphatic drainage massage, and you're in for a relaxing day of detoxing. You deserve to feel your best. Visit oliviawellness.co. That's A-L-I-V-I-O-W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot C-O. And use code CARMELA10 for $10 off individual service. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation that I had with Diana Falzone. Diana was our very first podcast guest when we first launched our podcast and I asked her to come on again because I knew that she would have valuable information to contribute to this discussion. And as always, Diana so graciously agreed to come on and share her thoughts and opinions on the topic of beauty. Diana has a very impressive list of work under her belt. She is a journalist and contributing editor for The Daily Beast. Her work has been seen in Vanity Fair, BuzzFeed, and she is a former reporter for Fox News, former host of Maxim Magazines and Sirius XM. During this conversation, Diana shared how she didn't fit in as a child, how she dealt with being bullied as a teenager and was a social outlier growing up, and how this caused her to look inward to find peace. Diana shared how her childhood affected her career and how she views her journalist role to help bring forth positive change. Diana also spoke about how her parents influenced her view of beauty and how we live in an edited reality. She offered tangible advice on what to do when you don't feel beautiful, and she shared how her endometriosis diagnosis brought up questions and feelings and impacted how she felt about her body. Diana also spoke about what unconditional self-love looks like for her daily. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Let's dive on in. When I was growing up, I was a very curious child, a very imaginative child. I wrote short stories, fictional stories. One was published when I was eight years old. Um, I was very much in my head within the world. So 
I would observe things and then I go back into my little bubble and I would just take what I saw in life and I would recreate it in this imaginary uh, sense. And then as I got older, I became kind of like the outlier kid, like the kid that didn't fit in, that wasn't cool. Um, I was a total geek before it was geek chic. It was not a good thing to be geeky. Um, I had a lot of activism causes like save the dolphins and trying to raise money. So I didn't really fit in with a group. Uh, I had a hard time kind of finding my own way. I was always a nice kid, but I was the kid that stuck up for the kid that was being bullied. I was the kid that saw something that wasn't right. And I would go, you know, excuse me, sir. <laughs> like, we're not going to treat someone like that. Uh, that hasn't changed. I think that's been amplified as I've gotten older. But growing up, let's say around 11 and 12, before there was the movie Mean Girls, I dealt with a lot of what now is, you know, called bullying culture. And it got worse and worse as I grew up. Um, to the point where I ended up eating lunch in the nurse's office because I didn't have a place to sit in the cafeteria uh, because the girls, a, super, a very select group of girls, cheerleaders and band girls combined, uh, really gave me a hard time, gave me a run for my money. And I couldn't fit in in mainstream high school culture. So because of that, it made me very resilient at a very early age. Um, I did some modeling as a teenager. There used to be a magazine. I don't think it's around anymore. Like YM. Remember YM? Young and Modern Magazine. 17. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I was in a couple prom issues and the girls took, and I actually never shared this before publicly. Um, they took a picture of me, which I... I never told anyone I was in the magazine, but because everyone was reading it at that time and it was prom season, I think I was like 16 years old. They took this picture of me in the magazine and put die, bitch, die <gasps> and bullet holes and blood from my mouth. And they left it on the theater stage because I was the lead in the high school musical. So I saw this. And it was really upsetting. I brought it to my then high school director. He was like, what is this? This is terrible. Um, my mom was very upset, brought it to the high school principal. And everyone's like, oh, kids are just doodling. They're just doodling. Well, anyway, it turns out it was the cheerleaders and the band girls. And they thought it'd be, you know, funny to do it. And that in itself was just like one example of kind of what I faced. Um, I was constantly getting put into conflict resolution because these girls, I, I had girls pull my hair in the gym locker room um, because one girl thought her boyfriend smiled at me. Meanwhile, I didn't even know who her boyfriend was. Um, and I had a high school sweetheart. So these were like the little <laughs> things that became big things. Um, in my, in my adult life of just learning how to deal with a lot of misplaced anger towards me, um, a lot of conflict. So we talked about conflict resolution and how to find strength in being alone. Even though there was a sea of people around me, I felt very alone in school. I didn't have confidants. I didn't have people that, you know, wanted to insert themselves in a situation where you had a really well-known cheerleader who was giving me like evil eye. So I would sit 
alone. So um, I went through my trials and tribulations in no which way were they on par with what other people have gone through. But those things in those developmental years really helped me establish sense of self and who I was not within a clique, not within a sport, not within any kind of extracurricular activity, but who I was, I had to look inward to find my own kind of solace and my own kind of peace because I didn't have a group. Um, and many times we identify with our friends and who we are, but because I didn't have that and I was like a social outlier, I had to find it within myself. Like who, who was I? Um, and I asked my question, uh, I asked that question to myself a lot. Like, who am I? Who do I strive to be? I want to stay me, but how do I better myself? How do I learn kind of what makes me tick? How, how am I interacting with the world? How can I be better so that I'm better to you? I'm better to my friends and better to my loved ones. I am so, so, so self-aware, probably to an unhealthy amount. Um, <laughs> And I, I know my flaws and I, you know, I, I just, I just think we're here for a purpose and that purpose is to obviously do our best, but to learn like this world is our classroom and we have to learn the lessons and consider it that we are all in school. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I did not know all of this about you, Diana. I had no idea that you went through this as a kid and, you know, it really makes sense though, because you know, what you go through as a child, it does really impact your development, as you said, and who you become. And I'm curious to know if you think that part of the reason why you became a journalist and, and, and you're not only a journalist, but a journalist who sticks up for those who don't have a voice, you know, you speak for those who don't have a voice. Um, and also your work for the endometriosis foundation, you're also speaking up for those who don't have a voice. Do you think that your childhood impacted that? I've never put those together, but yes, <laughs> uh, probably a uh, therapist would probably say, yeah. Um, I think it was just something inherently in me where if I saw a wrong, I was like, well, if everyone's in this room and no one's doing anything about it, well, how is that, how is that going to be fixed? So yes, I think, I think my work as a journalist was something I kind of fell into uh, wasn't planned. It wasn't something I, I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to help people in college. I was a psychology major. I wanted to be a psychologist. That was my path. And then I fell into the world of radio broadcasting and television. And it was then that I realized that, Oh, wait a minute. I can reach a broader audience. I can, there's so much value in helping people one-on-one, -on -one, but you can actually illuminate so many subjects and topics and what's going on and help facilitate change. So then I thought, well, this is great because journalists with the power of the pen, so to speak, even though everything's digital now, um, but with the power of the pen, you can get to the masses and you can let people know that there is a big issue at hand, that there's something that they didn't know was happening in the shadows. And we're going to put a spotlight on it. And we're going to let you, the public, know so that you can put the pressure on the proper channels to perhaps bring some forth some kind of positive change. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And that's what you do all the time, like with Afghanistan, with, with, with women who are, you know, abused in the work, in the workplace. I always see your articles. They're always the same, that same theme of, you know, helping people who don't have a voice. It's amazing. Thank you.
I thoroughly enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, and you could tell, you could tell. <laughs> and so, you know, it's really amazing that you've taken that feeling of being an outlier and and you know, done so much good with it. And I love seeing women who who have been because I hear this a lot actually from creatives that they've they were outliers, they didn't feel, you know, like they were part of anything, they were bullied, whatever it is, and now they're like the coolest people out there, right? You're 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 a public figure, you you're a leader, really. Do you ever like look back at those girls and like how do you feel about that? You know what I mean? I'm just curious. Funny. Brutal truth, I ran into one of those bullies uh, when I was working at a, a network in the city and I ran into her and I was like, hey, and I just thought, God, it's been like 10 years. I'm thinking, you know, internal dialogue. She's had to grow. <laughs> She's had to evolve into a better person. <laughs> so I was like, hi, so great to see you. How are you? And she was very pregnant. And I said, congratulations. And she went, Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, are we, re- are we really, are we really doing this? Are we really, are we back in senior year of high school? And I just went, okay, well, um, best of luck and congratulations. And she went, oh, and turned her back on me. Oh my God. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm happy that I am how I am versus how miserable she appears to be. So, you know, we're all on our journeys in life and, um, that's that. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I always say, um, you can, if you don't work on yourself, this is something that you mentioned earlier about working on yourself and being Mm self-aware. If you don't work on yourself when you're younger, you're going to end up being the same person you were, you know, when you were 18, when you're 50 years old, (laughs) But but maybe that's okay for some people. I mean, if they've, if they have not had adversity or challenges because of their behavior, or they haven't deemed these adversities enough to change the trajectory of their life or their interpersonal dynamics. And so be it. I mean, if you can flow by uh, in life acting like that. (laughs) Yeah. I just can't imagine like who wants to be around that, but you know what? To each their own, I guess. (laughs) Exactly. And then there's, and then I will tell you though, that going back to the high school stuff, my entire senior yearbook is an apology from so many of those same girls that were bullying me and saying, you know, I'm really sorry. I did what I did. I felt a lot of pressure to do it. So, um, yeah, it was a a time in my life that you couldn't, you could not make me go back into that time machine. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I want to shift now to, um, the topic of, of beauty. Um, you are a gorgeous woman. And by the way, Diana, I don't, I'm not the one who thinks that I remember what I showed you when I first um, was telling my friends about you and the endometriosis foundation. Of course, everyone looks you up on Instagram and they're like, well, oh she's gorgeous. She's stunning. She's beautiful, you know? And, but we, we've discussed before how, you know, we all have insecurities and, you know, it doesn't matter how beautiful a person is. Every woman has an insecurity about themselves. Yeah. So, and every and you know individuals at large. I don't think there's anyone who's completely a hundred percent self assured. We're usually our worst critics. Yeah, yeah. So I would love to hear how you have you know if, if you're comfortable sharing anything in particular and how you kind of like grew to love different parts of yourself, even if you didn't originally love them. You know. Well, beauty is a trigger word. Beauty is 
so generalized, right? So when you think about beauty, what is beautiful? I was raised in a household where beauty, aesthetic beauty, physical beauty was not, was not considered to be the most important thing. In fact, it wasn't discussed. Uh, my mom always said that pretty is as pretty does. So even if someone was beautiful, right, the societal standard of beauty, if their behavior was ugly, if they were poisonous, if they were like that girl I went to high school with, he was like, whatever, <laughs> um, that no matter how beautiful she might have been from the exterior, that beauty would diminish because I was taught that beauty comes from your acts, from within, from who you are in the world. And that your worth is not determined by if someone thinks you are a certain numerical value on the beauty scale. So beauty for me uh, was an, and when we, we're talking about beauty in a, in a makeup kind of world, um, yeah. beauty for me was not taught. Like, for instance, when I was in high school, I got ready for a dance. I asked my dad if I was pretty. So dad, how do I look? Do I look pretty? My father, you know, in his analytical, logical business, wait, as a businessman, he looks at me and goes, <clears throat> reading from the newspaper, Diana, beauty, doesn't matter. You know what matters? What matters is you work hard. <laughs> you, you get a job. I mean, so then as this teenage young woman, I'm thinking, oh my God, my dad is really doing a big song dancer. I must look crap. <laughs> You know, so, so I had a different kind of upbringing. I was never a princess. I was never called, you know, those things. My father was very much about, I'm going to raise you to exist in a man's world, quote unquote. And if you focus on beauty, you know, pretty as a diamond dozen, my mom was saying pretty as pretty does. So that just kind of stuck with me in developmental years that it's not something that you relied on. Um, even though I did, you know, some teen modeling and, and what have you. As I got older, I worked for two major brands. One was a men's magazine brand. I was a radio host, a TV host, um, and also in the magazines, and that's Maxim. And that came at the time was in its heyday, and that was all about right exterior beauty and what the standard in a male's gaze was for a woman. So that was eye-opening to me. And then I worked for Cosmo, Cosmopolitan magazine for Sirius XM as one of their hosts totally different than Maxim because they are the beauty standard of what women are supposed to look like. Right. So I had these two combating worlds that I worked in within years of each other. And I found those standards to be so hypercritical and unachievable, just unachievable. And I worked with people that never put those, they never put those standards on me. So I was a fortunate person in entertainment that I never felt someone tell me to lose weight. I never had someone tell me to augment my body in any which way. Any kind of pressure I felt really came from within me, where I was around all these models or I would have photo shoots and I would think, well, you know, I've got to, I've got to tone up. I've got to look a certain way. Um, but that wasn't brought on to me. Um, I do think beauty and especially now it's like we're supposed to have grown so much and embraced all shapes and sizes and and I feel like with the Instagram world and TikTok 
and I see these algorithms where it's showing women like what they could look like with a nose job or a butt lift. And I'm like, this is so toxic. This is so toxic because I even find myself falling into this rabbit hole of like seeing these things. And I'm like, oh my God, why do I feel terrible about myself right now? Because we live in an edited reality and nobody looks like that. Nobody is poreless. Nobody is perfect. And like, this is unhealthy. We should be doing mental exercises on like spiritual growth and evolution, not this, like we are flesh and bone. And it's, I, it's just sad to me that we're so caught up in the pictures and the two dimensional stuff. It's just, it's sad that we're here and considering the movements we've had in the last few years, you would think that we've, we've kind of elevated past it. I know I went on a complete tangent. <laughs> you asked me that question. Um, but I, I'm, yeah, when it, I don't think beauty to me is, is aesthetic. I, I just don't, I, I don't, I don't find it. I don't find it to be the physical. I really, I don't. I think you can do things like put on lipstick and I love my lipstick, as you know. I think you can color your hair and you can have fun and you can just look in the mirror and be like, oh, I just feel good. And yeah. for me, like I love, I love a, a good lip. I love a great hair day. I feel my best when I'm wearing heels or, you know, a, a great fit pair of pants and a, a top. Like I'm not that girl that's just like, oh, I'm going to put my hair up in a wet bun. And I'm like, I'm very Sofia Vergara about my fashion and my style. Like, <laughs> I'm, I like yeah. to be glam, like that's my thing. But do I believe that's where beauty comes from? No, I don't. I don't. Right, right. It's so interesting what you were that you mentioned that you felt that inner pressure, and it didn't come from the outside. Um, because I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you about that. Where do you think it came from? You think it was just just because you're like self critical? Oh, so the inner pressure easily came from the fact that I was. Max, I mean, Maxim, right? Like Maxim was the most beautiful, considered, I should say, the most beautiful celebrities and models. And here I was the only female radio host for Maxim. And I was interviewing these people every single day. Then on top of it, I was posing for the magazine. I was hosting their TV stuff. And I was just, I quite frankly, had to be in the mirror and on screen way too much. Yeah. yeah. So when you're looking at yourself, you're just like, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and you see every single flaw. So I was, I was putting myself under a microscope and I was playing the, the, the comparison game. Once you play the comparison game, you lose focus of yourself. You focus on the other person and innately you don't see the reality of who you are anymore because you're in a comparison game. It's like, I had a, a cross country coach and I was just, so you know, I'm not a sport person, but you know, you had to put it on for the resume, but I was doing cross country and you know, I was running and, and I just kept going like this and my cross country coach you know, jogged up to me. Cause that was pretty much the thing. So I was at, and, <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, Diana, you can't look behind. You can't look behind. It's going to slow you down. He's like, you never look at your side and you never look at behind and you just focus on your lane because once you turn and you focus on someone else, that's when you lose your momentum. So I lost my momentum when I started looking at the models, when I started looking at the celebrities and I was like, Oh, I don't look like that girl. But the thing was, I wasn't hired to be that other girl. I was hired to be me. And I had to learn that lesson over time. 
Oh my gosh. I love that. And you know, that brings up a whole, you know, a lesson really for everyone. It's very relatable because where does insecurity come from? Essentially it comes from looking at everybody else. Yeah. So if we focus on ourselves and stay in our lane, you know, don't look back, don't look to the side, don't compare ourselves to others and just choose to see our own beauty that and our own potential. Like that's the way to self-love. I think, no, I, you said that so beautifully. I agree with that. I, if you take a break from your social media apps, just even take, take like a day, take a work day, nine to five. You, I have felt lighter. And as soon as I go back on, I will start getting a headache. I will feel a little tight chestness. It's just, there's too much sensory overload and it becomes where you go. Oh, well, I, I didn't plan a summer vacation. Oh, okay. Um, oh no, I also don't have a husband. Oh no. Oh, I also don't have a butt that high. Oh God. Okay. Oh, I'm feeling so crappy about myself all of a sudden. I'm a pretty confident person. Oh no. Okay. And then you do the comparison game and then you're like, you turn off your phone and you're like, I have a huge to-do list of how to be better and how to keep up with these people. And then you're just like, what am I doing? Get off your phone, live in reality. Reality is so much prettier. It's, it's like, this is, that's all fake. And the pictures lie. And I, I know that firsthand because I think it was ice tea that gave an interview to Stephen Colbert and, um, I love him for his just candid honesty and he's been at it so long. And he said something like in the beginning, when I started, I never realized that people could cast a girlfriend that they could buy like for a day, a rental of a mansion that they could rent the cars, that this stuff was all smoke and mirrors. So much of what we see, and especially our younger generations are seeing, they, they assume is real, right? Because why would someone present a lie? Why would someone present a facade, a fake reality in order to bolster their clout? But we see it all the time. It's the same thing with filters. We're, we're generally speaking, are presenting a fake reality. You're, you're seeing the highlight reel. You're not seeing what goes you know, behind that. And I always find the like, Instagram versus real life, super funny because it's always just like a slightly less edited version. It's like a completely edited version of someone who's already been in hair and makeup in their house for two hours going real life. Like, no, 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 no. So I just, everyone keep in mind, don't be so hard on yourselves because all this stuff, it's just fake. It's fake. You're, and even if it's real, it's real in that moment, but the moments, everyone has hard, everyone has hardships. Life is not easy. Life is, life is really, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you give, or maybe it's the same advice to women who are in an industry where they have to look at themselves all the time? Like I was just thinking as you were talking, like you've been in, you know, you're on TV, even now you're, you're filmed all the time. And like for like me, I'm, you know, I have a beauty brand, so I'm always looking at myself and it's crazy how like the other day I was looking in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God, like I have lines like near my mouth. You know what I mean? And these are the things I'm sure I know I would not have noticed had I not been filming myself and taking pictures all day. So yeah. I'm just curious here, like if, what advice you would give people who are really like in the midst of, of the beauty stuff and looking at themselves all day. Get out of the mirror, get out of the mirror. I, I mean it like, I really, I've, I've had some, some stuff happen in the last several months with my family. And what I have learned 
is that this really, depending, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get religious or spiritual or anything. This is my personal perspective. Take it for what you will. This is a vessel for a soul. And you, you got what you got. Be, be grateful for what you have. If you can walk, if you can talk, if you have, you know, your, your full limb functioning. I mean, I'm not trying to depress anyone, but there are so many people that are struggling and fighting. And I know this is supposed to be light, but having a, a able body is just such a precious gift. And then we, we, you know, we pull ourselves apart on these little things. It's there. Everyone should have their vanity, right? Cause it's, it's how you present yourself to the world. It's a natural thing to have a, a want to present as clean as, you know, confidently as all those things. But if you're getting caught up in the mirror and you're not seeing your beauty anymore, that's when you step away and go like, I need to, I need to tap in here and get out of there and, and just really find what it is that you're really unhappy with and just try to find the things you love about yourself. And I don't believe it's, it's always our, our bodies or our faces or anything like that. Like find really what, what I am most proud about myself has nothing to do with what I look like. Nothing to do with it. Yeah. I love that. It's true. Because we're so focused on externals because that's what we see. But if we really delve deep inside and think about, you know, what we, parts of our personality that we love, you know, our generosity, our kindness, sense of humor, et cetera, whatever it is, um, that's, that's a really great idea to just focus on that. Yeah. Cause I, I, again, it's like, we all are going to age, right? You can, but I also believe that beauty is forever and that your acts make you who you are. And the more I find it to be, I don't know, like a confidence booster. When I do something good for someone else, it makes me feel like I'm a better person. So maybe that's selfish. That I like to do things because I make <laughs> um, but I, I just, I find beauty in those apps. I find beauty in myself when I, I do those things. And I'm like, Hey, it was pretty, it was pretty cool of me. Like that was nice. Um, that to me is beautiful. So yeah, my advice would be step away from the mirror when you start fixating and tap into who you are and try to find the beauty in that. Yes, for sure. When you were diagnosed with endometriosis, how did that impact the way that you felt about yourself, about your body? Um, did it affect the way, you know, other that you felt that others would perceive you? Because I know I, I hear from a lot of women how mm-hmm. they started, they felt, you know, a little bit invisible. They didn't feel like people understood them. So how did it impact you? Being diagnosed with endometriosis at 32 years old. Um First of all, I was in so much pain, it felt vindicating to have a diagnosis. The hardest part of that diagnosis for me was the infertility diagnosis, because that spun into so many more things for me of like all my dreams of motherhood and how was I going to achieve this goal? Could I achieve this goal? Then having my first excision surgery and having scars where I never had scars before, even though they were small, it was a scar and it was something that I felt guarded over. Um, and again, with endo, sometimes comes 
bloating that makes you look like you're three to six months pregnant and you can't control that. And there's sometimes swelling and all of that. So you could be eating and doing everything that is deemed appropriately appropriate for a diet in terms of, you know, not eating fast food, not having heavy salts and endo or adeno or whatever um, you might have in terms of an autoimmune can just flare up and you can just have a bloat and have swelling. And these are not major things, but when you're the one dealing with it and you can't control it and you just are like, I want to feel my best and I can't because this stupid chronic illness is in my way. It can, it can really dash your self-esteem. And I have had those days where I'm just like, you know, guarding my stomach, feeling really insecure, wearing a big shirt and going like, man, like, I don't want to go in a bathing suit today because I'm really embarrassed, which is a silly thing. Um, but yeah, I definitely have moments like that. And I don't know how to tell someone to get over those moments because I myself can't always get over those moments. And I sometimes give into it and just be like, I'm not going to go in a bathing suit. I have endo belly and I don't really feel like dealing with that today or feeling like anyone could possibly look and say what's wrong with her or ask if I'm pregnant. So I'd rather just not do it. Um, but yeah, I, I think anytime you deal with an illness that affects your body or causes you to have a surgery that then changes uh, your skin or your body, um, opens yourself up to a lot of, of different questions and feelings that you might otherwise not have had. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you brought up a really good point, like your honesty about, you know, feeling the way you do and you can't work through it at that time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, you can't work through it sometimes is that sometimes it's really important to remember to just hold space for your feelings. And that's okay. You know, everyone's always into like getting over everything or working through. And that's sometimes that's important, but it's mm -hmm. also really important to hold space for yourself and allow yourself to feel your feelings, you know? Yeah, um, I agree with that. Like, why do I have to, if I don't feel like I want to wear a bathing suit with endo belly, why do I have to, why do I have to like strut and go outside into the world? If I don't want to, if you do, that's your choice. And by all means, I applaud that. But my choice, if I'm feeling that way, it's like, it's all right. Just stay in the t-shirt, wear the shorts, sit by the pool, enjoy your day. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> up to you how you want to handle things and navigate things as long as you're not harming anyone else you know your choice <laughs> yeah 100 and you know that brings me to you know one of one of the last questions which is what does unconditional self-love look like for you on a daily basis i am such a hyper aware person that i'm no matter how busy my day is or how many tasks i have i will and I think a lot of um people have this tendency that with different interactions in their worlds no matter if it's at a bank or a grocery store I sometimes like reflect back and be like was I did I say thank you was I kind was I polite you know was I a little bit too curt with customer service <laughs> you know whatever it might be and there are times where I'm just like very hard on myself or I, I didn't think I did my best at a presentation or I didn't do my best um, in some kind of setting. As a mom, I feel constantly critical of myself. Like, am I doing the best job with him? Was I too easy? Was I too hard on him? You know, it's, have I, have I given him all the 
access to what he needs to in order to grow emotionally and all the other ways. And, and it is like a constant, it's like a ping pong match in my brain of every single thing. And we talk about the overload. So there are times where I have to just reset and get a nice coffee <laughs> and, and, and think I need this minute to just clear my head. And I think that's where the, the self-love comes of you're not a machine, you're a human being and human beings are flawed and human beings are not supposed to always give an automated perfect response in every single social interaction or business meeting or whatever it might be. You're learning. You've never been a parent before. You're learning how to parent as a parent. This is all first. No one is supposed to be an expert their first time around. Don't tell my kid that. <laughs> but again, I think the self-love is just in the trying. I think the self-love is knowing that you're not going to get it right the first time or even the next time. It's in the trying. It's in the trying to do better. That's where the self-love comes because you're not shutting down and saying, I give up. You're saying, I love myself enough to grant myself the grace that I can try to do it better another time. Yes. Oh my gosh, that is so relatable then. I'm the same way, by the way. Like any interaction <laughs> I have, I'll think about it and be like, well, I should have done this differently. I could have been nicer here. I could have, and other person probably most of the time didn't, didn't even feel that you were being curt or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So it's just interesting. I, but I love that. I love that advice. I just, yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me ask you the last question that I ask everyone, which is if you had one message to give over to the next generation of women what would that message be? For the next generation of women, I would say your voice is powerful. Know when and how to use it. Yeah. And that's a very powerful message. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Um, okay. Where can people find you, Diana, if they want to learn more about you? On Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Those were probably like the two places that I'm most active on. Although yes. social media, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I feel you. I feel you. Evil, evil mistress. So many, so much good comes from it. So many people connect from it. But I think the other unsolicited advice I would give is just like, also just like, remember, let's hearken back to the earlier conversation of like, so much is not reality. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody and everybody is dealing with something. And all those pictures of people on yachts in Dubai, uh, you can look up some stories I've done about that. I won't say it here, but there's more <laughs> to the story. There's more to the story. Yes. And speaking of stories, you can Diana, just give yourself a little bit, like talk yourself up for a minute. What do you what do you do? Uh, You're an editor. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. Don't be honest. Um, I'm I'm a journalist and uh, I, I work with the Daily Beast. I also am an Endo Found Ambassador and Executive Producer and Host of Endo TV for Endometrius Foundation of America. So I am um, keeping myself busy and I do love to do stories that speak truth to power. That as we go back to talking about illuminating things that maybe people wouldn't have known about, I like to find what's going on in the underbelly of society, kind of drag that up, put it out there. <laughs> I have a lot of people who, um, don't like me very much, but then I, you know, then again, I'm like, then don't do the bad things. Cause then I won't have <laughs> anything to report on. 
So uh, that's that's what I'm doing these days. <laughs> right. So yeah, you could read Diana's stories. And if you follow Dan on Instagram or Twitter, then you will be up to date with new stories that come out yeah. um, because you do post them. So yes, thank you so much, Diana. This was so wonderful having you. And thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing and, and amplifying people's voices and raising awareness for all the causes you're doing and for really just focusing on, on self-love and, and having fun with makeup, but also using that to make sure that we take a moment to find the beauty within all of us. Thank you. Yeah. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 